Hello and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson. Today we got a lot of news about the United States, some news from Myanmar and India, and a see you in hell from the Netherlands in World War II. Like I said, a lot of updates coming out of the United States. This first one is from the Daily Beast. Uh, the co-founder of the organization Students for Trump, his name is John Lambert, is going to jail for 13 months uh, for fraud uh, because he created a fake law firm uh, with the co-founder of Students for Front, uh, a guy named Fournier, uh, who prisoner delimited him. Like, you know, he testified in court against this guy in order for he, Fournier, to get uh, no punishment, uh, whereas his counterpart, John Lambert, is going to jail for 13 months. Uh, additionally, coming out of the Willamette Weekly, the Republican Party of the county that Portland is in, uh, Multmona, uh, has signed a contract with a security firm run by a Proud Boy. Uh, this particular member of the Proud Boy organization is Daniel Tuz Sr., uh, who sought the GOP nomination for some state offices uh, in the region and did not secure them. Uh, this is not the first time that the Republican Party in the Portland area or, you know, pretty much anywhere in the United States has engaged uh, with the Proud Boys in this particular fashion. Uh, so in some senses, this isn't a particular surprise. However, this is the first I've heard of some like serious official interaction between a Republican Party organization and the Proud Boys after January 6th. Now, that's especially important and very interesting uh, because it is an indication that, you know, that there are many parts of the Republican Party that are aligning with you know, an actual fascist organization, the Proud Boys. Now, of course, this contract that they've signed uh, to do some event security stuff is not with the Proud Boys specifically. Uh, it's with a front organization called Proud Security, uh, but it's run by a Proud Boy. It's clearly a Proud Boy front. It's pretty transparent here. Uh, and the fact is that, yeah, we're, we're just seeing the Republican Party engaging with a fascist organization explicitly to provide security at Republican-run events. Uh, the Republicans in question uh, have described this security firm, uh, and I quote, as an efficient volunteer security services group, end quote. Uh, the efficient part is the part that should get you. It's pretty disturbing here. Uh, we know that their purpose is to, you know, provide violence or the threat of violence against people who might protest uh, a Republican run event. And speaking of protests and Republicans, uh, the Republican Party in the United States House has recently ousted uh, its third most powerful member, Liz Cheney. Yes, that Cheney, as in the daughter of former Republican Vice President Dick Cheney. Uh, this is a signal that the Trump wing of the party is dominant. Why? Because Liz Cheney earned the ire of her fellow Republicans because she voted to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, and not only did she do that, she uh, spoke out against him very openly, very transparently. Uh, she spoke out against the Trump wing of the party. Um, and specifically, she said that Donald Trump and his allies claim that the election last year, the 2020 election, was stolen from Trump, you know, that Trump actually won. Uh, she said that that's a lie, you know, that this is just like false and that the Republicans should just accept that they lost. This indicates that the Republican Party is decreasingly interested in even the veneer of democratic governance, uh, even for like white people. Uh, they're just not interested in like using elections as a sign of, you know, political legitimacy. Their claim is that they are politically legitimate, that they should be in control and they don't really care about how an election 
turned out. You know, they're going to find the votes. They're going to make their claims. They're going to claim that there was fraud. They're going to do literally whatever they possibly can. This means that the center of the Republican Party has sided with those who argue that the election has was stolen from Trump and essentially, therefore, with the January 6th coup attempt, uh, that they're willing to do whatever it takes uh, to take power. This is a real serious anti-democratic turn, and it means that realignment within the Republican Party is essentially over. It's complete. The Republican Party is no longer a party that is interested in normative democratic governance. They are now interested in pursuing power through whatever means they possibly can. And for those of you who might say like, oh, that's how they always were. I mean, like, yeah, like kind of. But there's a very big difference between, you know, being a party that advocates for segregation in order to shore up your electoral numbers and being a party that just like fails to recognize when you've lost. Now, this is something pretty new in United States history. And the fact that the Republican Party has just been like fully consumed by this wing of it uh, should give us a lot of pause. And on that note, uh, I have to direct you to a really impressively bad website, flagofficersforamerica.com. That's the numeral for flagofficersforamerica.com. This is a GoDaddy website uh, put up by over 120 retired generals of various service branches in the United States military. So Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, blah, blah, blah. 120 retired generals and officers have signed this letter uh, claiming that the election was stolen last November. Uh, They are mostly relatively minor figures, uh, except for a guy named Admiral Poindexter, Yes, that's his real name, uh, a former national security advisor for Reagan and uh, one of the few people who was actually convicted of crimes uh, during the Iran-Contra affair. Uh, Politico, the news website, uh, also says that the the letter itself was organized by Army Major General Arbuckle, uh, who is a vociferous Trump supporter. Now, the letter itself is pretty disturbing. Uh, Essentially, it's claiming that the Republican Party needs to stand firm against the forces of socialism and Marxism that are taking over the country. And they, of course, mean the Democratic Party. They also mean people immigrating to the United States from Central and South America. Uh, They mean the, you know, corrupting influence of sex education and, you know, the recognition of gender nonconforming individuals, trans people, things like that. Uh, They claim essentially that the rule of law uh, is being lost in the United States uh, and that it is up to, well, presumably them uh, and people like them and people who support folks like Trump and stuff like that uh, in order to restore uh, the United States to the way that it should be. Uh, Their claim is that the Biden administration, which they refer to entirely as, quote, the current administration, like they don't say Biden. um, They say uh, the current administration, this is a quote, uh, has launched a full blown assault on our constitutional rights in a dictatorial manner, bypassing the Congress, which is confusing because like Biden has both parts of Congress, uh, with more than 50 executive orders quickly signed, many reversing the previous administration's effective policies and regulations. Essentially, their claim is that uh, Biden is a dictator, I guess, because he's using executive orders, which is something that presidents have used to govern since, you know, the days of FDR. Uh, If you're a legal scholar about uh, dictatorship in the United States, uh, yeah, you know, executive orders are disturbing, but it's not particularly different from the way that Trump governed. 
And, you know, as a person interested in reading and writing, I got to say this letter is full of like really confusing capitalization. Uh, like a lot of little things get capital letters that really don't necessarily need them, like constitutional republic or state legislature, um, current administration. Anyway, uh, they are arguing that, you know, open borders uh, will remake the United States. Uh, they're arguing that Biden is ignoring the threat of China. Uh, they're arguing um, that the, quote, censorship of right wing figures by, I guess, private companies uh, constitutes a threat to the security of the republic. Uh, they're opposed to the Iran nuclear deal. They think the Keystone Pipeline should go through uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, they, it's just the whole gamut of like political footballs that Trump used and failed with uh, in the 2020 election. But what's interesting about this, you know, isn't just that these generals signed this thing, because the fact is that it turns out that most of the people who signed it are not particularly important. Um, on its own, this is probably nothing. But it signals an increasing openness to anti-democratic thinking, you know, to the ability to claim that one has power even when one has lost power. Uh, I also want to call your attention to, you know, the events of a couple weeks ago in France where a very similar letter was signed. Uh, there was a little bit more, you know, threat behind that particular letter because of the actual history of real military coups in France uh, and the fact that the generals who signed it were a little bit more influential and powerful. But the important thing to note here is that these generals clearly intend to use uh, their political and institutional power in order to advocate for, I, I mean, I guess like, yeah, the, the, the overturning of the 2020 election results. That's incredibly disturbing. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I don't know how successful these kinds of calls are going to be. It's something we're going to have to keep paying attention to. Outside of the United States, we see in India that Modi's star is really falling uh, due to his government's disastrous COVID response uh, and also to his uh, really embarrassing loss in the uh, Indian state of West Bengal. Uh, his falling star is not unlike those of, you know, other sort of strong men uh, like Bolsonaro, Duterte or Trump himself. And uh, more disturbing news, uh, the ongoing conflict in Myanmar is just getting increasingly terrible. Uh, at this point, it's been 100 days uh, since the coup uh, in Myanmar or Burma, depending on where you are. The, the country has a different name, uh, depending on how the government recognizes that country's name change that happened a couple decades ago. Anyway, uh, it's been 100 days since the coup in that country. Uh, it was a military coup, a very brazen military coup. The military just took power from the civilian government. Um, there is ongoing street violence. Uh, the government crackdown is not slowing down. It's getting worse. Uh, some of the most violent days have been in the last several weeks. Um, there has been some business pullout, some sanctions, that sort of thing. Uh, but there hasn't really been enough to shift the situation. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this is the sort of thing that seems like it will probably continue to get worse before it gets better. Going to close out this week with See You in Hell, a segment celebrating the death of a fascist or right-wing figure in history. This week, we're going back to World War II again. A lot of dead fascists this time of year uh, in European history. Uh, this guy is Anton Mussert, uh, the founder of the Dutch fascist organization. A talented engineer as a kid, uh, he was also a member of various right-wing organizations as a youth. Many of them were like 
pan-Dutch revanchist organizations. Uh, essentially, they m- wanted the Netherlands to include uh, Dutch-speaking Belgium. Uh, they wanted Flanders to be part of the Netherlands. Uh, later in life, he founded the National Socialist Movement in the Netherlands, which was literally just like a, a party begging to be a Nazi puppet organization, essentially. It, it, it built itself as a sort of uh, Dutch wing of the German National Socialist Party. Uh, It went from relatively tiny in 1933 uh, to winning 8% of the national vote uh, for parliament in 1935, which is, you know, an incredible meteoric rise. Unfortunately, not particularly unlike many other fascist organizations in Europe and in many other countries at precisely this time. Uh, After that, uh, its vote count really receded, and he prepared the organization essentially to be a collaborator uh, for German power uh, and eventual German invasion. Uh, when Germany did finally invade the Netherlands in 1940, uh, Mussert and uh, the Dutch fascist party was the obvious choice of a civilian puppet, uh, but he didn't even get to do that. Uh, he had prepared the groundwork for all of this crap, and he just didn't even get to do it. Uh, the Germans assigned a German Nazi, or an Austrian Nazi, that is, uh, to be the uh, ruler of the Netherlands. And Mussert was left to, you know, send uh, his Dutch fascists into various SS divisions to fight on the Western and Eastern Front uh, with the SS. Uh, He, you know, never really got any domestic power. Uh, He got occasional bones thrown in his direction from Hitler, uh, but he was never really given anything to be in charge of. Essentially, he was a failure. Um, But that did not stop him from getting his comeuppance, of course. Uh, He was arrested in the Netherlands uh, upon Germany's surrender in 1945, uh, tried in just two days, and shot one year later, this week in history, May 7th, 1946. So, Anton Mussert, we will see you in hell. Right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. Uh, If you found this podcast helpful, interesting, educational, uh, please like, share, and subscribe, and share it with friends, family, and comrades. If you found it particularly interesting or useful, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 Minutes of Fascism. That's 15 Minutes of Fascism, all one word. All right. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you next week.